0: This morning our text of Scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, the very first chapter. We have just celebrated the Christmas season. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke begin the story of the ministry of Jesus with His birth. The Gospel of Mark begins with His baptism. I invite you to listen for God's Word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Mark. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a Leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join with me in prayer. Almighty and gracious God, we do come before you now. and We ask that you would quiet within us any voice but your own. And that you would speak to us. And that you would speak to us as only a living God can. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, as uh, many of you have become aware in the bulletin this morning, if, not, if you were not here last week, the O'Grady family is celebrating a new life in our midst. Last Sunday, uh, while I was here in the pulpit, I had my phone and was waiting for word from Nashville, Tennessee, about the birth of our third grandson. And uh, this morning that little rose over there is in honor of Avery Ben O'Grady, who was born last Sunday. It occurred to me that it wasn't that long ago that a similar scenario unfolded on the first of June, and then it occurred to me that our first grandson was also born on Sunday. All three of them have been born on Sunday so I think one of them is, is doomed to be a preacher. <laughs> Clearly these ch- children and grandchildren are blessings from the Lord. But given the events of this week in the world, the deadly assaults in Paris by Muslim extremists, even the volatility in the markets I found myself wondering this week what is the world going to be like that they live into and especially what will the world be like 18 years from now when these three boys are all of the age to serve in the military where is this ideological conflict headed what will become of this clash of civilizations and what can I do to help the world be a better place for my grandchildren and for yours now the answer to that question for me usually falls in a couple of different areas for me strengthening the family is very significant part of it not only my own family but all families for all children and certainly the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ is essential I've given my life to that mission and thirdly the institutions that provide education are so vital and important in our communities we pass on our values to the next generation through these institutions. This morning, I cannot leave out these wonderful ministries and organizations that serve the community that we're honoring through our foundation this morning. It has been said that all that is needed for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. So I'm particularly interested in doing something I'm just not sure what. Socrates long ago once said, Could I climb to the highest place in Athens? I would lift my voice and I would proclaim, Fellow citizens, Why do you turn and scrape every stone to gather wealth and take so little care of your children? To whom one day you must relinquish it all. I think Socrates may have it right. We should be focused on the next generation. That's occupying my thinking. Now, over the holidays, my wife and I had a chance to see the movie Fury. It's an interesting reflection on faith in a violent world. It's the story of an American tank crew fighting in Germany at the conclusion of World War II and in one scene in the movie a young recruit joins a battle-hardened weary tank crew. One of the men in the tank is a gunner and he's somewhat religious. So he asks this young recruit, played by Logan Lerner, excuse me, Lerman, Are you saved? The young recruit kind of stumbles with his response and he says, Well, I'm baptized. And the gunner dismisses that as if it's insignificant. He said, Are you saved? Two competing theologies of baptism are present behind that dialogue, and both are still present today. What does baptism mean for us? One of my three grandsons is baptized and was baptized at this font here, and it was an honor to be able to do that. But they all live in the South, and Southern Baptist theology is quite different about baptism. So I titled this sermon this morning That's Gonna Leave a Mark. Now that is an expression that has found its way into the urban language dictionary recently. I think in my memory at least I can remember it on the words of Chris Farley in the movie Tommy Boy. I know you think I tend to spend my time doing more august things than watching Chris Farley movies. But this expression has taken on a life of its own, and it refers to any time we do something that is going to leave a permanent mark. Usually it has to do with a permanent mark like a scar on our bodies, but it also refers in a more general way to the kinds of existential marks we leave in our lives for example 911 left a mark maybe today which is 11 today's date can leave a different kind of mark in our lives in a culture that's fascinated for some reason with tattoos and body piercings, I want to consider today the mark that is left on our lives by our baptisms. In an ultimate way baptism is intended to leave an enduring mark. Or to change the imagery just a bit Baptism is intended to remove an enduring mark, a stain upon our lives known as sin, so that we can and should live better lives. Now, like a wedding that often occurs here as well, it's not what happens at the ceremony that matters most. It's what happens after the ceremony. And it's true for baptism as well it may just be that if we really understand what has begun in baptism and the baptism of Christ it might lead us to a new way of living in the world for Mark's gospel this new beginning for the world and for our lives occurs by God's gracious design beginning with the baptism of Jesus the birth of Jesus certainly indicates God's identification with us he took on our flesh but for Mark the baptism of Jesus is even more important it's there because of his complete self-identification with sinners Jesus' ministry was not just about healing and teaching and about a mission of goodwill of sorts. At the Jordan River, Jesus consciously takes His place among the throngs of the crowds and goes down to the water and He takes their place. He takes our place. And the baptism of John finds its focus and its fulfillment when Jesus is baptized. The crowds stand aside for this one person who has no sin of his own, but bears the sin of the entire world. And Jesus is not ashamed to be one of us. And to take our place and to do for us in that place what we can never do for ourselves. He cleanses us from the past. He bears the judgment of sin in His own body so that you and I can rise to new life. Everlasting, eternal life. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by a reluctant John the Baptist at the beginning of his ministry our Lord didn't need cleansing or a fresh start in life but his participation in our humanity and our brokenness is so complete that in order to fulfill all righteousness he's baptized by John at the very start of what God is about to do in the creation. It's about new life. It's about new beginnings. Many of us, I'm sure, can't remember our own baptisms. It occurred long before we have any memory of our lives. Others of us may have experienced some, life, some life-changing, some life even dramatic event that transformed our lives and led us to an adult or believers baptism as an outward sign of an inward grace the change of our hearts but regardless of whether we remember it and whether it was as an adult or whether it was as an infant baptism is intended to mark a change in our lives Now, along with many other mainline denominations, we in the Presbyterian Church believe in both believer baptism and infant baptism. And in infant baptism, parents bring their child to receive the sign and seal of God's covenant promises made to us through Jesus Christ. The child, therefore, is initiated into the fellowship of God's people. It's a public declaration of faith by the parents on behalf of their child. It takes an action of the session of the church to approve every baptism. And the parents in the church are collectively saying that this child belongs to Jesus Christ. And because of the parents' faith, the child is also an heir of the covenant promises even though the child does not receive all of those promises until he or she accepts Christ upon their own profession of faith. I think it's helpful that Clayton Bell illustrates this in this way. He says his parents were American citizens but for 25 years they served as missionaries in China and that's where Clayton Bell was born but he was born an American citizen too. his citizenship depended upon that of his parents he was an American citizen not because of where he was born but in spite of where he was born and had he continued to live in China until he reached the age of adulthood one of three things could happen he could renounce his citizenship and adopt Chinese citizenship, he could accept the responsibilities of American citizenship for himself or he could have done nothing and been an irresponsible American citizen which at some point might have led to his citizenship being revoked because of his irresponsible behavior. In a similar way, citizenship in the kingdom of God may depend upon our parents in a similar way. Baptism is a mark of our citizenship in the kingdom of God. Perhaps you've heard me tell the story before, but it illustrates the point. Two farmers were out in a field after a soaking rain like the one we're in and they were working a fence line and an observer noticed that one of the two farmers picked up this big corner post and he just threw it into a big puddle and it drenched both of them with this muddy water sometime later the observer turned to that farmer and he asked why did you do that what was that all about and he replied did you notice that my young friend was wearing some new overalls and he was so focused spending his time on trying to stay clean we weren't getting any work done I threw that fence post in that muddy water so we could get to work and did you notice how much we got done after that baptism You see, we're meant to be freed up in life by our baptisms from over concern about whether we're getting unclean in life so that we can get on with life. Religious fanatics are always concerned about purity. We have been cleansed by God's grace. We don't have to be overly concerned about our purity. We should pick up the task for which Christ has embraced us. And the world needs us to just now. To live into a new reality for the sake of our children and grandchildren. So get on with living. Leave the past behind. And go with your arms outstretched towards the future. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And it begins by recognizing who we are in our baptisms. Thanks be to God. Amen.